Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this issues related episode, we will look at worry. You know the feeling. It's that heavy, shaky nervousness that grows inside you to the point of near overwhelm. Perhaps it's related to an issue with your kids or a scary meeting with the boss or while sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office. Your mind tries to outrace your heartbeat and you can't seem to catch your breath or concentrate on anything else. Worry, it's part of the human condition. Worry puts a physical and emotional and mental toll on the body, mind, and spirit. Is it possible to live a worry-free life? It must be because the word commands it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, That peace which stands guard over your hearts and in your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Let's break this verse into pieces to see what it's really saying. Do not be anxious or worried. Do not as command language. It's not a polite suggestion. About anything, but in everything and every circumstance and situation. Now, these are absolute words. That means that there is not an area that is exempt from this command. By prayer and petition and thanksgiving, the word is even showing us the how here. So there must be a way to pray that makes this work. And thanksgiving is a key. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your heart and in your minds in Christ Jesus, is yours. Did you catch that promise? Wow. God would not have said that without there being a way to do it. The goal of this podcast today is to show you how to live this verse. There are three core problems that cause you to worry. The first problem is that your eyes are fixed on the problem or challenge and not on God. You make your problems bigger than God, and don't see beyond their limitations. This leads your mind to carry you down the path of negativity that leads to picturing and believing for negative and sometimes even the worst of consequences. The second problem is that you don't know God personally or relationally enough to know how to call on Him when you're worried. If you don't know the Word of God and His promises, nature, or character, You will make God too small in your minds and lack the truth of who he is, what his capabilities are, what his promises are. And if you don't know what you don't know about God, you will leave him out of the equation altogether. The third problem is that you don't fully understand and embrace all that is accessible to you as God's beloved child. When you don't know your inheritance as a child of God, you do not know the authority you have to pull down his power from heaven. You will pray far below God's will for you. This will rob you of living your Christ identity, the best version of yourself that you are because you are a child of God. The consequences of these three problems mess with you emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. One of the secrets to overcoming this is in the next verse. 
Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Simply put, the solutions to the problems of worry are fix your eyes on Jesus, know God intimately, learn how to pray with the authority that you have to exercise your power as the adopted child of the King of Kings. We will dive into these solutions briefly on today's podcast. We will do another podcast on this topic about how to find the names of God and the promises of God connected to them and how to properly pray them into your life. But for now, we're going to focus on who God is, who you are, and how to fix your eyes on him. Let's begin with a key lesson I learned from a story in my own life. What you fix your eyes on grows within you. And if you fix your eyes on your worries, illnesses, troubles, or anxieties, you empower them. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, he grows within you. Here's my story of how I learned this lesson. I was totally freaking out. You would have thought George and I would have had learned our lesson from the last two times we bought a new house before selling our old one first. But here we were again, facing two house payments. Becky was a prayer partner of mine at the Cleveland House of Prayer. She had recently moved to Atlanta. We had committed to staying in touch, and I began that prayer call by dumping my anxiety on her without restraint. I'm not contributing financially to the household income, and George is so stressed out. The realtor doesn't know how to market an in-law suite house, and we just aren't getting the right buyers through. I don't know how long we can afford to pay these two house payments, I ranted. I think you're praying this situation through an idol, Becky said. I had no idea what she was talking about. Becky had recently completed a weekend seminar called Communion with God by Dr. Mark Verkler at the Atlanta House of Prayer. Actually, it was this very discussion that led me to my doctoral program at Christian Leadership University. In addition to gaining the skill of dialogue journaling with God, she learned about praying with an idol in your heart. Becky showed me that whenever you make anything bigger in your mind and in your heart than God, it's an idol. The teaching is based on Ezekiel 14, 1 through 6. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their heart and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have deserted me for their idols." Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, repent, turn from your idols and renounce all your detestable practices. Ezekiel could see that the Israelites were praying with stumbling blocks and he wanted to know if God would even bother to answer such a prayer. The Lord replied that he would answer their prayers, 
but in light of their idolatry. Why? So he could teach them lessons that would recapture their hearts to him. He wanted the very best for them. He wanted them to repent from this practice and pray differently. So what does this mean? To understand this verse concept, imagine a small Jesus and a big problem represented by a giant wall. The wall is your problem, and your eyes are fixed on this giant wall of a problem. Jesus is on the other side, but you can't see him. Your eyes are fixed on your problem. It's the stumbling block before your face. Anything that you make bigger than Jesus is an idol and is a stumbling block. Even good things can become idols or stumbling blocks, like worrying about your kids or your spouse, your finances, your job, or even your ministry. Making anything bigger than Jesus will always get you in trouble. When you make your issue bigger in your mind and speak it out loud, you give the enemy a chance to make it a stronghold in your life, and you give God the opportunity to teach you some lessons. When you are praying through an idol, God mostly answers no or grow. He will often answer no, and his refusal is likely because your prayer is not his will. Remember, he is the omni-god who knows everything, including what is in your best interest at all times. You may think this job is the best thing for you, but God has a better plan. Or he may say no because you're not ready for his best blessing. Many pray to win the lottery because they assume that getting rich will solve all their problems. But winning the lottery when you're not fully surrendered to God can be a curse. God often answers idle prayers with grow. You may need to mature in your faith before being ready to receive his prayer's best answer. I've already shared how I was praying the house situation. I believe that God was answering my prayer with grow because I needed to learn this lesson. Can you see how I was making my anxieties about this house situation way bigger than God? Is there a circumstance in your life that you can relate to that you might be praying through an idol? Now let's look at how praying without an idol is different. Now you're standing in front of a big Jesus, and your problem is now a small box laid at his feet. Your eyes are fixed on him, and there's nothing blocking you from being able to see him eye to eye. Hebrews 12.2 commands us to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. In this idol-free case, Jesus can see you eye to eye too. He's not looking at you through an idol or stumbling block. You are seeing each other heart to heart and eye to eye. Here you remind yourself and Jesus that you know who he is and what he can do. You remember what he promised you related to this issue. You listen to his voice for the conditions of his promises. You surrender your will to his greater will. You choose to be content no matter how things turn out because you trust God for his best interest for you, whether you understand or not. Remember, too, that in the Philippians 4, 6-8 through 8 verse, thanksgiving was an important part of the process. So make sure you give God thanks even for your trials and circumstances. The Lord will always turn that into a blessing and a silver lining if you ask God to show you and you look for it. Mostly God answers idle-free prayers with go or slow. Often the answers to idle free prayers are yes or go because you're praying God's ideal prayers and not your own. Praying this way indicates that you're ready for God's best blessing. 
you have begun to seek his will over your own. This is how to ensure that you are praying what he wants right out of the starting gate. Sometimes God answers these prayers slow because there are other people and circumstances which affect the answer. The timing for answered prayers is God's domain. Many complicated factors must line up for a go. We may not understand why things take so long, but God is never late, and we need to trust Him in all areas because He is trustworthy and true. Here is how I prayed my house situation after I learned this lesson. Lord, you are the author of our story. You planned for us to move to this new house and for the buyers of the present house before you created the heavens and the earth. Lord, you are the Jehovah Jireh, our supernatural provider. You know our every need. I trust you to bring the buyers in your perfect timing and to take care of us in the meantime. You are the promise-keeping God, and you have promised to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Philippians 4.19 Thank you for this house challenge and for showing me how to pray according to your will and good purposes. Mighty Counselor, may the peace fill our hearts and let faith rise as we wait for you to solve these problems. Isaiah 40.31 In Jesus' mighty and matchless name, amen. You may have noticed that I included a lot of names of God in Scripture in that prayer. This is to remind God and myself of who God is and His promises. We won't talk in this podcast about how to find those names and promises, but we will cover that in a future episode. It wasn't long after I changed my prayer when the Lord provided buyers to our new house. We did not have to go another month with double house payments. More importantly, after I prayed that prayer, I had peace about it. Even if God had us wait much longer, I would have had peace in my heart about it. He would have provided for us for those double house payments because that's what he does. Here are some clues that you may be praying with an idol in your heart. Your prayer begins with worry or anxiety about an issue. This is a clue that you see the concern as bigger than God. Another is if you tell God the desired outcome that you have for the issue. This indicates that you have not surrendered your will on the situation, but you are praying for what you want to have happen. God is not a genie that's there to do your will. The goal is to find out what his will is. Another clue is that your focus is related to natural limitations rather than on God's supernatural ability. If you focus on the impossibility of a circumstance, this reveals either disbelief or unbelief. Disbelief is that you simply don't believe God can do anything about it. And unbelief is that you believe God can do it, but that he just won't want to do it for you. When you pray without an idol in your heart, You are aligning yourself with God's will. If you know it's what he wants, you're on the right track. Then you simply need to agree with what he's saying and doing, and the peace will flow into your heart about that issue. I want to take a few moments to talk about the difference between glancing and gazing as another indicator that you may be praying with an idol in your heart. Instead of gazing at your problems and glancing at Jesus, gaze at Jesus and glance at your problems. Gazing is a long look. Glancing is a short look. Here's what I've learned. God loves when you gaze at him. Gazing is when your focus is totally on him. Glancing is when you consider him an afterthought. You glance at God when your mind is occupied with other things more than him. Worship, praise, dialogue journaling, spending time in the word, they're all examples of gazing. And here's the cool truth. 
Gazing at Jesus causes him to gaze back at you. When you enter his presence, he enters yours. This is the place of true encounter. Wherever his eyes are fixed, his favor flows. Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come before his presence with the song of thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. He loves when you spend time with him with joy and thanksgiving. Remember, whatever you look at grows within you. So if you keep looking at the problem, it will become bigger and bigger. If you keep looking at Jesus, he becomes bigger and bigger. Whatever grows within you is what you become. Keep your eyes fixed on him and he grows within you along with the fruit of the Spirit. That's his nature, character, and will. Keep your eyes on the problem and it grows within you. And it can even manifest in physical, emotional, and mental ailments, such as heart conditions, anxiety, depression, or ulcers. To better understand who Christ is and who you are, let's talk about two important biblical principles. Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. What does it mean that Christ is in you? Let's begin by a reminder of the omni-truths we talked about in the last episode. God is omnibenevolent, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. That is, God is all-loving, always there, present, past, and future, all-knowing, and all-powerful. These define the fullness of God, or what I like to call the isness of God. That is, all he is, was, and always will be. When the Holy Spirit comes into the heart of every believer— He brings with him all that God is. This is what it's meant by Christ in you. Isaiah 45, 3 promises, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. The treasure box contains the Holy Spirit, the fullness of Christ. I asked the Lord to help me understand what it means to have the fullness of him in my heart. And he said, it begins when you accept me as your savior. Revelation 3.20 says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. When you open the door of your heart and welcome me in to dwell, the Holy Spirit brings with him the fullness of God. You are the very container of the fullness of God in your heart. This is the treasure in earthen vessels referenced in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I responded, that's incredible, Lord. Why do most of us live like this isn't true? And he said, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman who patiently waits for you to call on him through prayer. When you know that you have the fullness of God in your heart, you can pray with more power because you can call on my nature, wisdom, power, strength, and gifts to accomplish whatever I need you to do. The more you abide in me, the more you will feel the transforming power releasing from this treasure box. You will become the very best version of yourself when you unleash the truth of the fullness of Christ in you. Cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow him to be and do all that he is through you. Look at all that is accessible to us by the finished work of Jesus when we accept his gift of salvation. For you to live the godly life that he has for you, 
all of the omni-truths of God are available for which you may participate and cooperate. His benevolence, wisdom, power, and presence. You just need to ask him. God shares his character and nature with you. God wants to be believed. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the authors of the Bible is in you and waiting for you to believe him for his promises and step out in faith. We have addressed what it means to have Christ in you, but what does it mean to be in Christ? One basic distinction is that you have Christ in you to have the power to align and transform you into the person God created you to be, your Christ identity. To be in Christ is to release that love and power to the people in the way God created and placed you to do in his larger kingdom plan. Romans 3.14 says, Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is like wearing him as a garment. Garments are worn outside of the body. They can be seen by others. The Lord explained it to me this way. I am God Almighty. You can't borrow my might. You can't muster up the strength without me. All you can do is put on my strength like a garment. Allow me to be your strength. Allow my strength to flow through your willing vessel. Consider Superman, the Lord continued. To the naked eye, Clark Kent was an average, awkward man. He drew no special attention when he walked down the street. He was like every other ordinary person on this planet. No one knew that he was a prince from an otherworldly kingdom or that he had superhuman powers. But when those powers were needed, Clark stripped off his regular clothes to reveal that he was really covered with a superhero garment. There was a special place where Clark learned wisdom from his father, and he spent much time there preparing for the responsibility of using his powers for doing good and combating evil. When Clark wore the clothes of his true nature, he displayed superhuman strengths and ability to the world. When evil was afoot, he knew exactly what to do. He performed miracles that blessed many people. Your superhero clothes are already there, underneath the surface. Let the world see them, and I will do miraculous things through you. Wow, Lord, I said. Believers in Christ are exactly like Clark Kent, I agreed, and Superman for that matter. This made me want to go to the Word to look for more evidence. Ephesians 4.22-24 clarifies that in this reference of your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which is the likeness of God, and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. We are princes and princesses of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Strip off our old garments of former powerlessness to reveal the superior godly ones like Clark does when he shows himself as Superman. Because of the desire of the Father, the finished work of the Son, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we now have the power in the presence of God to do miraculous things according to God's will. To equip us, we share in the divine nature of God. Like Clark, we need to spend time with our Heavenly Father to truly understand and use this power appropriately. As his Father said, with great power comes great responsibility. The Lord added, you are ordinary, and yet you have the capability of doing extraordinary things every day. You have my word, prayer, my presence that all ensure that promise. Just like Clark, you need to discover who you are, the truth 
assurances and beliefs of what it means to be my heir. My plans are bigger than what you can do alone, and yet I always fully equip you to live them out. Your job is to discern my will and obey. Surrender your will to mine, and miracles will happen. How do we access that truth, Lord? I asked. You need to find the answer to the question, who am I? What are the promises of a child of a living God? Spend time in my word, listen to my voice, and be willing to do what I fully equip you to do according to my divine purposes. Believe the truth about who you are and allow it to transform you. Agree with me that I have the best plan for you and you will see superhuman impact. If you are a believer in Christ, you are superman or superwoman. When a believer prays with a heart of faith, miracles happen. It's like Superman. These miracles often defy the physical laws of nature. Cancer simply disappears. Rain falls in the middle of a drought to stop a fire. Sight is restored to the blind. People are raised from the dead. People speak in unknown languages. Souls are saved for eternity. God does miraculous things through those who surrender their will to the compassionate will of the Father. Are you ready to experience Jesus? Remember to have your journal handy to record your experience. And pause the recording whenever you need to, to allow Jesus and you all the time that you need. Today's encounter, we will gain God's perspective by stepping into his skin. I'll explain how that works in a few minutes. If this is your first visit to the Experience Jesus podcast, you may want to listen to the trailer episode before you attempt this encounter. It explains the biblical foundation for our encountering process and walks you through the four simple keys to experiencing Jesus. The goal of today's encounter is to learn how to get God's perspective on your issues of worry. You will practice tapping into the omni-truths of God inside of you. Step into God's skin so you may see your circumstances through His eyes. Feel what He feels about your circumstance from His heart. This will help you reframe your situation and align you with what God says is true about it. As always with any of our experienced Jesus encounters, if you are not in a quiet place and do not have time to do this exercise in privacy, stop this recording and plan to do it later. Then come back to it when you're ready to fully experience it. It's always advised to prepare your heart before any Jesus encounter. So listening to worship music and praising God postures your heart to prepare you for this encounter. As you have already learned in this episode, you have Jesus inside of you, the fullness of his omnitruths. And you are in Jesus, clothed by his presence. This is a spiritual truth, and I want you to actually experience that. To begin this encounter, take a few deep breaths in your quiet and relaxed posture. And then welcome him in prayer. Lord, I thank you that I have the fullness of you in my heart to be able to connect with your perspective on my issue that I'm worrying about today. Help me to lay this issue at your feet and not make it bigger than you in my mind and in my heart. I welcome your presence, and I come to you as a child right now in my special place. Now imagine yourself as a child and go back to your special place. Notice your small, childlike stature by looking at your child-sized hands and feet. Look carefully again around your special place, using all of your senses. Now 
Notice every detail. The Lord often adds things to your special place the more you go there to meet him. Now I want you to see Jesus coming toward you. Sit with him and pour out your heart about this issue you're wrestling with. Talk to him about your concerns and worries. Tell him that you want his wisdom to better understand it. Now I want you to imagine that you and Jesus stand up and you're face to face. He hugs you, and when he does, you melt right into his body. You are now united. The two of you are in one body, his body. Now I want you to look at your issue through his eyes. I want you to hear his thoughts in your mind's ears. And I want you to feel his heart. Take in the sense of how he sees and feels about your circumstance from his omni perspective. And allow the wisdom of God to wash over you as he gives you insight from his heavenly vantage point about the challenges that you are facing now. Make sure that you record everything you see and hear, feel and understand. Ask him as many questions as you like. And then you'll see yourself facing him again. Thank him for what he showed you. Praise him and honor him for what he gave you. Pause this recording and take as long as you need with Jesus. I hope you had an insightful encounter with Jesus and that you gained his perspective on your issue. Remember this encounter and do it as often as you find it helpful. The truth is that for believers, he is always in you and you are already in his skin at all times. You just need to remember that so you can be reminded to look inward and tap into his omni-truths and then connect with his perspective whenever you need to. Asking him to show you the hearts of the people that you need to understand better, or ask him what his reality is without human and natural limitations. Remember, there is no illness, no financial problem, no career issue, no relationship issue that is too big for God to help you with. Is it possible to live a worry-free life? Yes, it really is. I'm not saying that anyone can live a life without situations and circumstances that would naturally be worrisome. In fact, trials and tribulations in this life are a promise for which no one is exempt. John 16, 13 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's about how you face them, not the fact that you could face them that makes the difference. I am in no way minimizing the tragic circumstances of your life. 
But Jesus promises that you can go through them with his strength, power, hope, and more importantly, peace. When you fix your eyes on him, know who he is, and know your authority as a child of God. Lord, thank you that you are God Almighty, that all might and strength come from you. And thank you that as a child of God, I can be clothed with your strength and righteousness, and that you can do miraculous things through me. Help me to desire your will over my own and not to be afraid to let go of my own plans in favor of your miraculous ones. Help me to live a worry-free life, Lord. Help me to trust you with everything that I have in my life, my family, my job, my needs, my health. Thank you for who you are and that you're bigger than all of these needs. In Jesus' name, amen. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.